Good morning, Chair City Church. Glad to connect with you. Glad you joined us this morning. At 28 years of age, I began to turn towards Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ. And I started hanging around the church. I recall at that time, often hearing people share their stories about how they came to believe in Jesus, uh, in their terms, how they got saved. Rarely uh, do I ever recall someone telling me they hit the lottery and they turned to Jesus or they got their dream job, their ship came in, everything came together and they started going to church. Usually their stories, which they would call their testimonies, were laid in details of pain, suffering, difficulty speaking to times of trial and trouble and transition at the very least that was happening in their lives. And yet God used many of these people, their stories, much of which were deeply sad. And all that made it more amazing to me to see them being unselfish and caring about me and to living out their lives in such a meaningful and purposeful way. It, it did. It got my attention. I was impressed by that. And to see them living out lives with so much hope. After a while, I caught on and realized where there were stories of pain and suffering, the result of that was a person who lived by hope, a person who was fueled by hope. You see, hope is often found or discovered in the trials of life. It's hope that not only gets you through the trials, but helps you grow. And not only grow in areas of maybe marriage and other relationships, uh, even in practical areas of your life. I was telling one of my kids that as we grow closer to God, there are just the principles of, of faith, of Christianity, highly likely will advance you in meaningful areas of your life. But hope in bringing you through the times of difficulty will most importantly grow you in your relationship with God. Now, today we want to turn to the book of Job. It's a name that many people are familiar with, and they attach to suffering and difficulty. Job is a great example of what it is to have hope in the midst of trials, to have hope under pressure, and many of you are feeling pressure as a result of our current circumstances. I hope today you can feel hope in the middle of everything that is going on. Job chapter 1, verse 1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright, he feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man amongst all the people of the East. So Job's got a great life. He's wealthy, loving family, and he loves God. Verse 6 says, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. 
the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger comes to Job and says, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, killed them, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another messenger came in and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another messenger came in. The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly, suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house it collapsed on them, and they are dead. I am the only one who's escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head in act of deep humility. And then he fell to the ground in worship, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. As we move into chapter 2, Satan and God have a similar conversation as they had in chapter 1. And Satan says to God, okay, so you, you took away all his possessions and people, but what if you now came against him? I mean, physically came against his body. Satan says in verse 5, stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and surely he's going to curse your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well. He is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself, scraped off the sores and the boils with the pottery as he sat among the ashes. So what insights can we grab from what we just read in the Bible about Job? First, we see Job experienced different kinds of sufferings. I mean, Job's doing incredibly well. And Satan says to God, that's the only reason why he worships you and loves you and stands with you. Next thing you know, Job's possessions property, finances, business. They take a devastating hit. He loses most of what he owns. 
Then he loses his sons and daughters to an unexpected tragedy. In chapter 2, we then see Job having significant health issues. In all this, we see Job experiencing different kinds of suffering. Finances, family, health, even spiritual struggles will come upon him. Job, who knew God, who loved God, suffers in this way. And it tells us that everybody can suffer. And we can experience all kinds of suffering. But everybody's experience with suffering is going to be different from the other. The way we experience it, the way we internalize it. I suffered when my grandfather passed away in 2001. It was an extraordinary time of, of pain for me. Might look different in your life if your grandparent passes away. My mother right now is going through a terrible time in her life. She's uh, 70 years old. It'll be 71 in August. She had oral surgery several months ago, and there have been complications. She's been in constant pain. She's lost over 50 pounds. She's in bed most of the day. She's very weak. Suffering is a part of life. We see it come upon us in a variety of ways. Just like in Job's life, God has a plan for us in our suffering. There are different parts of that plan, and as we trust in God, we'll see those parts played out in our lives as we go through the suffering, not turn away from it, not try and get around it, not try and take control and invoke our plan. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 through 7 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it is also for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We want to know right now that God comforts us in our trials and our suffering, sufferings. That there is no kind of suffering that God cannot and will not comfort us in. And God wants us to take the comfort he's giving to us and share it with others. This is how God works to build his kingdom, to build his church, to build us up. In him, my friends, we are in this together. We are not alone. Even if we're somewhat isolated physically, we are not alone spiritually. God is with us, and we do have each other. We are on the same team, and we are better together, even when we suffer in all kinds of ways. And know that. That those who are in your life, those who are 
part of your church that each one of us, many of us, are suffering under pressure, struggling in different ways. And we experience that and internalize that and live that out in different ways. Now, can you imagine your part in this is that someday you're going to bring someone comfort from your suffering today. That, that because you will know God personally in the time of your suffering, that as you go through this now, this type of suffering that you're enduring, you are going to be able to have empathy for a person who is going to experience a similar type of suffering. You are going to be that special person for someone someday. And that's encouraging and that's hopeful. Hopeful for God's purpose and plan in your life. Hopeful that you know there's meaning and fulfillment ahead. And hopeful and hope for that person who's looking to hope in something. I just like there are different types of trials. There are different kinds of triumphs. Looks differently in all our lives. Just like there are different types of sufferings, there are different kinds of victories. And again, it looks different, but we will have triumphs and we will have victories in Jesus. I love getting to that part of the story. I love hearing that part of the testimony. And so will you. Because it's like a never-ending dose of hope. Hope in the darkness. Let's jump back to Job chapter 2, verse 9. It says, his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you're talking like a, a foolish woman. Show we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namite, heard all about the troubles that had come upon him, they set out after their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep out loud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. So a good chunk of the rest of the book of Job, about almost 30 chapters, I believe, is Job and his friends talking, at times somewhat debating, going back and forth regarding Job's sufferings and his dire circumstances. And what we learn from Job's time of suffering is that sometimes people fail us. Some of those people are those closest to us, family and friends. We see Job's wife come against him in, a, in this time of struggle. We, we certainly want to give her some slack because she's lost children, loved ones, and most of her possessions as well. Job's friends, they, they, they're, you know, they're filled with sorrow for him. And, and eventually, they, from that sorrow, the way they process it, the way they experience it, is they say, hey, you know what, Job, you must have did something terrible because God is punishing you. In times of suffering, of, of, of trials, of pressure, 
people around us, those closest to us, they might not understand where we are at, what we're going through. They, they might not come to that place of validation. They might not be able to come alongside of us and join us in a, ma- in a manner that we need or, or want. It can happen to us. It might be happening to you right now in your life. Remember, it happened to Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knows it's about to all come down on him. He asks his disciples to remain steadfast with him and pray, and then they go and fall asleep. They cannot stand with him. And right after that, we see Peter and many of the disciples begin to abandon Jesus along the way on his journey to the cross and through into his crucifixion. During our time of suffering, when we're going through our trials, the people who are closest to us might not help us in a way that we desire or expect or need. That can seemingly make things worse, but I want you to remember today that God is with you, that Jesus stepped out of heaven, walked this earth, gave his life, was resurrected, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and you have hope in God. Job and his friends, they talked for a while and covers most of the book of Job, as I mentioned before. And then something really interesting happens uh, in the midst of their long talk. In verse 21, it reads, Job's speaking, and he says, Have pity on me, my friends, have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Speaking to his friends. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in a rock forever. I want you to catch this, what Job says next in verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth, speaking of Jesus Christ, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet my flesh, in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. What we see happening in Job at this moment is hope is rising above the trials. Job has all kinds of suffering coming on him, coming into his life. He's lost so much. His wife and friends aren't able to help him. They don't understand what he's going through. And in the middle of all this pain and suffering in Job's life, seemingly alone, hope rises. Out of nowhere, out of, out of the depth of misery, confusion, and uncertainty, Job cries out, I know that my Redeemer lives, that in the end he will stand on this earth. Jesus lives. And then Job says in verse 26, After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Wow, everything's coming apart in Job's life. 
all the pressure, all the pain, and yet hope rises from within Job. Job says, I'm going to see my God. What he's saying is the best is yet to come. Today, this is where you and I want to be. This is where God is calling us to, for us to cry out, Jesus lives. And we are going to see God in all his glory. The best is yet to come. We know that we have this promise of being with God now and being with him in eternity. And in that, let hope rise within us. In the midst of all this difficulty and pressure and pain. You know, I, I don't like traffic. I don't think anyone does. But I, I, I just can't stand sitting in traffic. I, I get so restless. I get so impatient. And what happens is after a short time, I start looking for alternative ways to go. On how to get off the highway and start moving. Now, Christy, my wife, will say, you know, do you think you're going to save time if you do that? You might, you know, you might not save time. And, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't really, I don't care if I, I don't save time. I mean, I, I just can't sit here. I said, but maybe I will save time. And so I'll get off the highway and I'll start to try and make my way. And, you know, occasionally, rarely, I'll save time. And yet more than that, I'll usually get lost and lose time, meaning I'll make things worse than they were. Hey, what happens in our life when we are enduring pain and suffering? It, it get, can be overwhelming. And we're like, you know what? We're, we're just not going to stay here in this place. We're not going to turn around and withstand this. We got to get out of here. And we take matters in our own hands. We, 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 we go in a different way. We try and make a way away from that. And in doing that, we can tend to make things worse. We get farther off course. We sometimes, so far, we, we forget where start was. We lose ourselves in the despair. But today I'm telling you to just lose yourself in the hope of Jesus Christ. Look, Job doesn't say my suffering isn't real. He doesn't say this isn't happening. He doesn't run from what's going on. He, he doesn't try to do anything to make matters Worse, he cries out to God. He acknowledges God. And in doing that, we see hope rise from within Job. Hope rises up today in the areas of your life where you are enduring pain and suffering. The parts of your life where there is tremendous pressure. I want you to think, what does it look like for hope to rise up in your life in those areas in the middle of what you're going through, what does it look like to know that Jesus is your redeemer, that he lives and he loves you, and that he's made a way for your sins to be forgiven and for you to be right before God and for you to live in eternity with your heavenly father? When you think of that area of your life where there's difficulty or pain and you process it through that lens that God loves you, Jesus lives, and you will be in heaven what does that look like? What does it feel like? Like those people who shared their testimonies with me years ago. Some of them were on the other side of the suffering. 
though some of them were still going through suffering. And it was those who really amazed me. Meaning it kind of had become a way of life for them. All the difficulty and all the suffering. And their story was that no matter how difficult things are, I know that Jesus loves me and God is with me. The book of Job has a peculiar ending. Job chapter 38 verses 1 through 3 says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is it that obscures my plans? God speaking to Job with words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. He says to Job, I will question you and you shall answer me. Now, what can we get from this? God now speaking to Job. You can trust God even when it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense because God decides not to explain himself to Job or to us. And that doesn't tickle you when I say that likely. God never explains himself to Job. Why all this has happened to him. He shares with Job who he is, how mighty he is, how vast he is. He's telling Job, hey, you know, where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? God never answers Job's deepest questions. He simply tells Job, I'm God. And you're not. Today, in the middle of the pressure and the pain no, you can trust God even when he doesn't make sense. Even when you're not getting the answers to your questions. Even when life's circumstances don't make sense to you. I've got a lot of questions right now. As I watch people struggle and suffer, contemplate how to move forward, what to do. I was telling someone I kind of feel like I'm trying to field an onside kick. And then if I do get it, when I do get the ball, I don't know which way to run with it. I'm not saying God doesn't answer questions, but he's not answering them right now. But that doesn't mean he doesn't reveal himself. That doesn't mean he's not present. He is. He's with us. And I believe, as I've said before, that he's doing a work of renewal in us. Now, if God answered all my questions, I, I wouldn't grow in my faith. Uh, maybe I wouldn't even need faith. I'd have all the answers. At the end of the book of Job, God reminds Job that he is God. Your enemy, my enemy Satan, is telling us, don't trust God in this. Or limit your trust in God. But don't acknowledge him as you set out in your day-to-day -day details, as you take action, don't acknowledge God in your action. Turn away from God. There's no hope in him. He isn't there for you. Make your own way. Get off course. Find another way. Take matters into your own hands. Take a hold of that steering wheel. Listen, Jesus made a way for you. He made a way for you to have a personal, intimate, life-giving relationship with God. And Satan wants to destroy that by having you not trust in God in the middle of your pain and suffering. Even when it doesn't make sense, settle in, feel God, Holy Spirit, and trust in God. In the middle of the trials and the pain and the suffering, 
God has a plan. His greatest plan of all was that his son Jesus would suffer and die on a cross and then be resurrected. And through that, God would redeem you and I for himself. The book of Job ends with God bringing restoration to Job's life in many areas, God blessing Job abundantly. However, even though Job's life looked like it used to in many areas, Job was no longer the same person. You see, Job had changed. He had knew, now he knew God in a greater way. Suffering can change our perspective of life and of God. That's what I realized I was hearing in those person stories years ago. They kind of thought they knew God. They thought they believed in God. They were like, okay with Jesus. But then going through those sufferings and their difficulties, they came to know God. And in knowing God, they kind of found who God meant them to be as a human being. And they came to discover the best of who they were within themselves attached to a living and a loving God. And they lived out from hope. Today, whatever you're going through, know God loves you. Trust in Jesus. Turn to Jesus today. Let hope rise up in you today. Decide right now, I am choosing heaven. I am choosing Jesus, and the best is yet to come. I'm going to follow Jesus today. Now, to do that, you have to trust in Jesus. You have to trust in his death on the cross for your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. And you've got to take hope in that and be comforted by that. Meaning now you know what it is, the wrong target, the wrong path. And you know what it is when you've taken that or when you do that, that you can turn to God for forgiveness. You don't have to be a slave to that sinful way of living anymore. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, sin and death have been defeated. We win. We have the hope of heaven. So if this is you, if this is your mindset right now, say this prayer within me. And as you say it, feel hope rise up within you. Just say, God, I need you. And I, and I know you have drawn me close to you today. And I thank you. I want to live knowing more of you, God. I want to have a greater relationship with you. Today, I trust in Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, you've professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've began a new relationship with him. Hope is rising up in you. Now, if you've come to this place, we praise God, we thank him. We celebrate with you. At the end of my message, you can scroll down and you'll see a link, uh, maybe a text number. Click on that. And it'll bring you to a form that you can fill out and we'll get you some information to support and to uh, kind of, you know, equip you going forward with this tremendous life-changing decision you've made. This morning, let's know that we are all experiencing different kinds of suffering and of pain. And it's going to 
It's going to play out differently in all our lives. Let's, let's give each other some room here. Let's know that we are going to kind of fail each other in different ways and, and come short. Let's, let's be patient with each other. But let's hope for the best. Let's fix our eyes not on the things around us, but on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And know that God is with us. And in that, let hope rise up within us. God is leading us to a greater place. His presence is with us. If you have a need, let us know. If something is not going well, uh, please share it with us. We care for you. I miss you. I'm praying for you. To God be the glory.